So, ladies and gentlemen, um, as you will hear, Chris and I are going to chat about our our upcoming guests. Uh, you know, uh, Aaliyah Samuel. Chris, Aaliyah was fun to talk to, don't you think? Oh yeah, I thought she was great. So, uh, Aaliyah is the CEO of Castle, and so you are going to hear some of the oh some of the expertise and some of the words of wisdom that she drops on us today, which are phenomenal to hear. It's really focused on social emotional learning. So just know that. And I, I would say, Chris, I think she did a really good job being upfront and honest about social emotional learning not having to be a political topic. You as a parent, do you see that? Do you agree, disagree? Where do you stand? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really find it being a political thing to teach our children to kind of gain and build and, and really have a strong sense of confidence. Uh, my nine-year-old uh, daughter, Amelia, at, at her school, they have a group called The Common Crew, and they do uh, words of affirmation, um, you know, gratitude lists, all that sort of stuff. So they can really focus on the best parts of themselves, um, acknowledge the negative parts of themselves or like that, but still be able to move forward with that confidence or like that all and, and incorporating that into, into their learning, which I think is great. And you and I are, are you know, we're, we're both getting a bit long in the tooth. So we're, we're older. I'm older than you. We went to much. school. We went to school at one time. And so it's easy for us to maybe judge what they currently do in school because it's different. But let's also face it, times are different. Yep. We would hope they would change some strategies to support the needs based upon now versus when we were in school. If, they, it, was the, if it was the same, kids would be a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the information age now where, you know, it's everything always all the time, you know, uh, and you, I don't, we can't go back to the whole like suck it up and, and just push through it mentality or like that with a lot of these guys. So they know too much at a very young age. Yeah. So, rub, rub some dirt on it is not right. always a strategy anymore. Right. And being hyper aware of everything can, can make you a little sensitive to this, that and the other. And so we have to be aware of that. And so and then address those uh, sensitivities when they arise. So. so, folks, uh, Aaliyah Samuel, you're going to appreciate this conversation. Uh, Chris and I did, and you're going to find her honest. You're going to find her focused. And I, I think that the, the research that they have accumulated at Castle can help guide us all in schools and in communities as parents and as well as educators. Enjoy. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. If you are a member of the Leadership Circle, you are likely watching this, whether it's live or you're watching a recording of this video. For those that are not, you may be hearing this via our publicly available podcast, Leader Chat. And as you know, the, the value of this um, doesn't come, be definitely doesn't come because of me. It is is all due to these incredible guests and the topics that we cover and i find myself learning an incredible amount each week that we air these and therefore i know that um, if i'm learning we're learning and that is our intent is to bring some pragmatic discussion to some really important topics that are sometimes really difficult for leaders to lean into, number one, because they don't have time to read or read white papers or review research, et cetera. So it would be silly for me today, 
based upon today's guest, for me to pine on and on about why this topic is important. And you'll see why here in a minute. As soon as I mention the guest, you'll think, oh my goodness, yes, this is relevant. In fact, potentially you may think there's no other topic more relevant than this one right now. As it relates to um, kids, uh, what our kids are suffering through, what our adults are challenged by, and the impact that's having on the educational system and schools and communities and so forth. So I'm going to stop there and I'm going to read the, the, the very short condensed bio of our guests and then I'm going to welcome her to the screen. Today, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Aaliyah Samuel who is the president and CEO of Castle. And by the way, I'm so used to saying Castle because I've, I've known it for years. I'm, I'm just gonna make sure I spell out this abbreviation for you. So it's the Collaborative for Academic and Social and Emotional Learning. So once again, the president and CEO of Castle and senior fellow, Harvard University Center on Developing on on the developing child. Dr. Samuel previously served as Deputy Assistant Secretary, local, state, and national engagement at the U.S. Department of Education and as former Executive Vice President of Government Affairs and Partnerships at NWEA. Prior to NWEA, Dr. Samuel was the Director of Education at the National Governors Association, also known as NGA. She holds an undergraduate degree uh, from Tuskegee. Tuskegee University, she's going to, uh, she's going to laugh at me, a master's from the University of South Florida and a specialist, a specialist and doctor degree from Nova Southeastern. So without further ado, can I please have Aaliyah join me? Aaliyah, thank you so much. So let's, let's start here. Um, why don't you uh, correct my pronunciation of the, of, of your college, uh, tease me along the way if you'd like. Um, and then I'll ask if I just, like I, I was nervous, and so uh, and as soon as I saw it, I realized I'm going to mispronounce this, and then it got in my head, and you know how that goes. So, go ahead, pronounce it, and then tease me, and then I'll move on with my first question. That sounds good, Jeff. It's actually Tuskegee University, and you'll be glad to know that managing nervousness or emotions is part of the SEL skills that we'll be talking about. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay, so Thank our session has clearly started. Right. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> so first, I would love to just talk about my three P's, which really answers the question about my why. First and foremost, I am a practitioner. I started my career as a special education elementary teacher and then went to went on to become an assistant principal and principal. And I spent almost a decade in public schools across two states. And what drives me and what it's so important for me to make sure people understand about me is that at the core, I am an educator. I am not an, a policymaker who is, who is in education. I am an educator who has then now moved into the policy world. And so that first P of being a practitioner is really important to me. The second is that I'm a parent. I have two boys in public school. I have a third grader and an eighth grader. And as we talk about the pandemic in this post-pandemic world, I'm also dealing with this as a parent. When the pandemic started, my boys were in kindergarten and in third grade. So talk about boots on the ground experience of the pandemic and educating or trying to help support your child's education. My husband and I were living it just day to day in our own home. So first and foremost, I'm a practitioner. Second, I'm a parent going through the education system right now. And then the third is that I'm a policy influencer and I've been very fortunate 
to be able to work with policymakers at all level, local, state, national, federal, to talk about education policy. And when I talk about education policy, I'm not talking about it from my own opinion, but from truly the stories and the individuals who I interact with. I'm actually in Kalamazoo, Michigan right now, and I just finished a school site meeting with parts of the central office staff, visiting and touring schools, because that connection to school is really important, especially as we're talking about informing policy, informing changes to practice. And so really those three Ps are what make my why. So let me poke a little bit by asking, um, so you were a, a teacher and obviously a school administrator, so um, obviously that's that's a critical um, piece for you. It's you know probably like your touchstone to a lot of the work that you're doing now. How did you decide, or what was the path to, um, mm-hmm. between what you there and then really leaning into policy and structure and, and kind of the impact that you have? What, what and how did that happen? That is such a great story. So let me take you back in time (laughs) to the 2009-2010 school year. I was a principal in Tucson, Arizona at TUSD. And there were some things that were happening at the time. Number one, we were in the midst of the recession. Number two, the Common Core standards were rolling out nationally. And number three, I had a 25% budget cut to my school as a result of the recession. So those three major impacts really made me take a step back and look at all of the different decisions and individuals that were impacting my realities every day as a principal. And the final kind of cherry on the top that happened that school year is that we had to take our school through the Title I application process. More than 90% of my kids were now on free and reduced lunch, and we had to go through the entire process. So now I'm dealing with Common Core, I'm dealing with the recession, I'm dealing with budget cuts, and now trying to take my school through Title I, the Title I process. And I felt like at every turn I was being bludgeoned by policy, whether it was local policy, state policy, or federal policy. And it made me take a step back and say, are there any educators at the table talking about policy? And I realized the absence of how frequently the absence of educator voice is at the policy table. And so after that school year, 2009-10 school year, I decided it was time to really reevaluate my purpose. And so I left my principalship and started doing work, state level work in Arizona. And from there, it really just took off. And I think, you know, as I think about, I'm often asked, well, what advice do you have for leaders? And I tell them, find your passion and your purpose. Because if you find those two things, everything else comes into place. And I think that is what I'm an example of. I knew my passion was always education. I knew I had a passion for kids' well-being. I actually was an emotion at the time, the title was emotionally handicapped teacher. And so doing this work around social emotional learning now ties back to so many very specific moments in my professional career that that is why I really felt not only the time, not only the shift from public education and being a practitioner to getting into the policy world to now leading Castle. I mean, we see firsthand the needs of not only our students, our parents, 
our educators. And so I just felt like all of those experiences were the right package for right now in this phase of, of my life and work. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to envision, you know, you, it sounds like you had this really, uh, this, this noble motivation. Um, I assume you almost naively jumped into a world um, likely having no concept of exactly what it would entail or the zigs and zags you would go, you would have along the way. But, you know, you did so because you felt it was the right thing. And, and we, that's what we all do, right? I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher. I didn't want to be a superintendent. I didn't, that was not my goal. Sometimes you just naively dive into something based upon you know, a motivation on wanting to make a difference and a change. So um, I can hear that in your story. And so uh, I, that's much appreciated. I, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question about, so what drove you to be a practitioner in a school to what you're doing now? That's That was pristine. Well, Jeff, and if I could pile on, you talk about um, almost a, a naivete. And I I do believe to a degree I've, I have it now. You know, a lot yeah. of people have asked me, Aaliyah, why would you leave a sub cabinet role in an administration to come lead Castle at a time when politics are putting social emotional learning at the square of the conversation? Why would you put yourself in this place where you could potentially catch heat? And Really, it's the same answer. It's my fundamental belief in public education. It is a fundamental belief in that we have to think about the well-being of our kids, not only from an educator's perspective, but from a parent. You know, when, when we drop our kids off at school, you want to know that they are respected and valued and seen and are an active member of the school community and that they are learning. Because I know for me, I don't wanna just send my kids to school and know they're getting academics and then they come home broken or unhappy. I wanna make sure that the same happy, healthy, whole child that I'm sending to school is also the child that I get back home. And so as a parent, how can we work in partnership with schools and really not transactional relationships with parents or even community members, but truly, transformational relationships that focus on the well-being of our kids. And so um, sometimes I'm reminded that um, it is it is difficult and it is hard, but our kids, quite honestly, and our educators too, need strong leadership that bring the educator voice, the parent voice, now more than ever. Well, I, I often tell leaders to truly try to embrace their naivete. I, I, I respect you even more, you describing still by being naive. What would we, would we want leaders to be, what, jaded? You know, uh, we, we want leaders believing, even when they sometimes fall down or get pushed down, believing it's possible, even when seemingly it's not. That's the kind of naivete we want leaders to have. So, I, I just respect that you embrace it. And I, I actually encourage you to stay naive. 
that would be <laughs> my hope for you. So, um, it would be silly of me to try to describe uh, to you or to our listeners the, the 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 value and importance of the organization you're leading now. I mean, I as a lifelong educator and administrator, I've looked to Castle for years as kind of the social emotional um, bank on where I could get research and information and strategy and so forth. That being the case, the last few years have been very, very different. And I'm not even going to jump on a soapbox around that. Let me just ask you this. What, what, what have you or what has Castle learned and experienced over the last few years, which I can imagine is a huge, interesting pivot compared to just, say, five years ago? Yeah. Well, first, I, I think one of the most noticed, notable things that we have seen in the last couple years has been the very dramatic increase in interest in social emotional learning and interest in what is the research interest in where are the best practices, interested in what are the policies and what are the policy conditions that we need to have in place, particularly in light of all of the investments that are coming in around social emotional learning. We have you know, district leaders, educators, even parents want coming to our website to try to learn more because this term social emotional learning or SEL has been used, is being used so broadly that the interest has been extraordinary to, to watch. And it is not just interest here in the United States. For example, over the last year, we had 101 international requests for support, 101. So as we talk about social emotional learning being critical to the success in academic recovery and well-being of our kids. It is not just a U.S. discussion. This is a global priority, and I have the data to showcase that. And so I think it's important to, to highlight that trend. I also think that there are some other things happening in our society that has prioritized social emotional learning and well-being. We're talking about school safety and not just gun violence. That's a very, very real thing. But school safety as far as bullying, um, developing strong relationships, that has really also been catalytic to the discussion. And then we are talking about academic recovery. Doesn't matter where, where you turn, if it's our NAEP scores, test scores, our kids are not doing well or recovering academically at the pace that we thought. Chronic absenteeism is still as high, if not higher than it was pre-pandemic. So we have to ask ourselves, why are our kids not engaged? Why, are, why don't they want to attend school? And begin to ask those very difficult questions. So these societal pieces have greatly impacted impacted the interest in the demand for social emotional learning. And so um, we are a very small organization for those who may not know CASEL. CASEL is a nonprofit bipartisan organization that focuses on the research, the practice and the policy in social emotional learning. And we're actually preparing for our 30th anniversary next year. It's hard to believe that CASEL will be 30 years old, but really looking at the shift over the last 15, 20 years, and even to your point, Jeff, the last three to five, it's been pretty dramatic, the, the interest in um, uh, the interest in social emotional learning and its outcomes, both academically and on well-being. 
So as, as you described, um, and I know you just, you just touched on it, some of the needs that we're seeing uh, as it relates to students, our, our kids in school. We also know that the, the needs for adults has tr- shifted too. So we think about everyone serving or supporting our students, which from parents, teachers, leaders, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. their needs have also ramped up. Right now, what are you seeing as um, the, one of the biggest challenges schools and communities are having as it relates to creating supportive wraparound services for kids based upon their emotional needs? What what stumbling blocks are you seeing in the field? Because I know, obviously, if anyone would know about it, it would be Castle. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, I just left a site visit today. And whether it is Kalamazoo, Michigan, whether it is Dayton, Ohio, whether it is Nevada, whether it is Texas, the overwhelming concern is time and resources to be able to allocate. And then third are the people. How do we ensure we have the right people to really implement social emotional learning with the evidence and with the quality that should be there? And it is truly, um, you mentioned the levels of stress and you know, we say it takes a village to raise a child. And right now, every layer of the village is experiencing stress, whether it's, you know, the kids are experiencing stress, parents are experiencing stress, educators are experiencing, like there's stress at every level. And so we have realized our role in the field, this is an opportunity for us to elevate the importance of adult SEL. And adult SEL in several capacities, one thinking about the adults all adults who touch children um, that are affiliated with the school, so all school personnel. We are also thinking about the adults in the workforce and what does it mean to have these skills in the workforce? And we could love to dig into the workforce conversation a little bit as well. And then how do we ensure that these, that the social emotional learning skills, which we know are lifelong transferable skills are available and modeled by the adults so that we can then have children who also model and have these skills as well. And so uh, the focus on adult SEL is really critical. And actually our conference, which will be in Atlanta, um, uh, November 7th through the 9th, will be focused specifically on adult SEL. And we will be elevating the research, the practices, and the policies that all support um, leaders as learners, which is our conference theme. So um, I'm going to ask another question uh, about the conference. So if for, if I if I forget, grab me. But um, okay. you mentioned something else about you know how what we're seeing we're seeing stress at every level, um, okay. and you know from from everything that we see, everything that I see from the balcony and not the dance floor, what I mm-hmm. see happening in the field throughout the country um, is aligns to everything you just described. Um, my purview sometimes tends to focus on leaders, um, adults serving students. Some of my, some of my worry and anxiety is I am watching leaders, educators who enter their why is serving others, right? They're committed to this concept of servitude. 
The dilemma that I think happens is because of the the pace, the frenetic pace that is coming, the incredible political challenges being thrown onto the desks of leaders, whether that be superintendents, board members, principals, etc., right? They're being led by this tyranny of the urgent and therefore doing everything they can early until late, serving others and forgetting that they too have needs and Mm -hmm. putting their needs last. And I'm not talking about needs like long walks and yoga and eating right. I'm talking about professional needs as it relates to developing themselves. And that's being put on the back burner at times, which is Mm -hmm. making it harder for them to serve others. How do you think about this concept? How does Castle support this concept of adult social emotional learning even as that translates to helping leaders understand they need to prioritize it for themselves and the leaders they serve as well. That's a long question. Do your best. <laughs> yep. And I'm going to ask you for clarification along the sure, way. Please. First, you know, I'll start quite, quite honestly, when we're contacted by districts and asked, you know, oh, we want to work on social emotional learning. The first thing we recommend is have you worked with the adults in the building like or not just the building but all adults because really setting that stage around social emotional learning and why it's so important has to start with the leadership and the buy-in of the leadership and it can look so different depending on where you are one of the school site visits that i recently attended is doing a lot with educators around self-awareness about identifying how they feel and not just how they feel like in a um i feel happy today i feel sad today it really is what are the stressors or the things that are are causing you stress anxiety and creating spaces for educators to for example actually be able to take breaks throughout the school day. I mean, you and I both know as educators, even the planning time, often times you're lucky to get to go to the restroom. And so how do we intentionally protect the time for educators to practice self-care? Also, there are districts that are having support circles for educators to be able to talk about some of the challenges that they're having that do impact their own well-being. And so, Understanding the needs of your particular community is really important, which is also something that Castle highly emphasizes is the importance of family, school, and community partnerships in not only determining or selecting an SEL program, but also understanding what are the needs for the administrators in the building or the administrators period, whether it's central office or the building for the educators and the school personnel. And so I think it's important that we talk about social emotional learning at the adult level before we start to address the, the, the student needs. And so having that time also set aside for professional development is also really important. I was talking to uh, uh, an administrator in New York, and I asked them, why do you focus on social emotional learning, not for the students, but for the staff? And his response was interesting. He said, you know, number one, by focusing on social emotional learning, it gave all of us a common vocabulary to be able to talk about and identify the needs. Number two, it gave us the tools and the skills to be able to not just identify the need, but have strategies to address the need. 
And then that translated to student behaviors because as teachers and educators and administrators became more aware of the needs of students, the needs of themselves, it created a different culture within the school community. And so I think it's really important to highlight how important these social emotional learning skills are for the administrators and educators in our buildings. You mentioned time, resources, and people, right? Being huge obstacles, and you know that makes you know amazing sense. In the meantime, uh, while every school and every community, every district is nuanced, right? There's, it's you 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 know they're they're not cookie cutter organizations. However, there are often very similar challenges throughout. You know, you can see like threads of commonalities throughout our schools and communities. If you take time, resources, and people, have you um, come across, has Castle come across some really interesting, innovative practices that have watching leaders kind of, you know, how they're getting around, how they're navigating those in a very creative way? You must have some really, really impressive stories on things happening in the field. Yeah, well, I, I think about two examples that I would love to share, yeah. and all the while, um, it impacts administrators. I think it's just a good example of administrators thinking creatively. Um, one, I'm thinking about a school in Nevada where the principal was really struggling with the connection to the students. And so they developed a youth advisory council that helps to inform the school administration on key decisions. And it's not just, oh, we have a student who sits at the table when we're having the staff meeting. <laughs> truly integrating the voice of the young people in the school and what that has done to create that circular nature of feedback that is honest and candid between the students, the administrator, and then to create cycles of change. It not only increased student engagement and outcomes, which is really ultimately what we're trying to do, but it also has made that administrator's life easier because of the relationships that are established. I, I think about another one um, in Texas, um, uh, another, uh, it's actually at the district level. They developed a family, uh, I think they call it a parent advisory group. And this parent advisory group helps to inform not only the social emotional learning program that's happening in that district, but what are the needs? And what we know is parents know their kids best. And when parents feel like they have a strong partnership at every level of a district, whether it is their school level, central office to the superintendent, where they feel like they can voice their concerns and what they're seeing, both academic needs and social emotional lead needs of their students, the improvement in student outcomes from a lowering of discipline rates to higher, um, uh, higher attendance. And so, it's all correlational, it's all connected. And we, we really, and I think this is something that I, if I could say it and continue to say it, we cannot SEL our way out of pa the pandemic in this post pandemic recovery period, nor can we academic our way out of it. We really should be thinking about it integrated and connected. Academic our way out of it. Is it, was that the, <laughs> Yeah, that's, yes. that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'll, I'll quote you. I like it. So, 
Okay, so I don't, I've never, um, I do know that uh, a lot of the work that we naturally do is going to be, you know, political. I have never considered social emotional learning a, a political topic. I just haven't. Um, and maybe that's because I am embracing my naivete, but I want to stay that way as it relates to this topic. I know not everyone considers that. So, when we think about the societal norms and some of the shifting societal norms that we're experiencing, some of the, the fast-paced nature of our lives, innovations that are either just starting to knock on our door that are soon going to push our doors in, whether that be AI, a variety of things that are going to change the game on how we communicate and how we live. Some of those things can be great and some of those things can only add. So I'm curious, do you imagine like best practice specific to SEL also shifting and trying to learn along the way to deal with some things that we can't even see around the corner yet on? Does that question make sense? Yes, and absolutely. one of the things that I'd love to underscore is Castle takes its role as a research practice policy institution very seriously. And one of the things that we're working on, um, our amazing vice president of research has developed a research advisory council to help us think through what is the research telling us now? but also what's the research and the evidence that we're gonna need down the line as AI, as chat GPT, as technology and education continues to rise. How do we think about social emotional learning integrated with these changes in technology and society. And so we are very much mindful of this from a research perspective and also a real recognition that we, on the practice side, we we should be able to elevate the examples of innovation, how districts and school leaders and educators are really integrating social emotional learning in real ways. And not just as I mentioned, the international interest earlier. It's not just other countries or other entities learning from what Castle has, but as a collaborative, we're learning what's happening in the field as well. And so that constant dialogue is going to be critical as the field of SEL and the field of education, the system of education continues to change. And, you know, I, I last week I was in another meeting and we were talking about science and how science is evolving and how there was a time when research and practice informed policy. And we've kind of gotten out of whack there. And now policy is driving the practice and the research. And so one of the things I think is important as we talk about the, our changing society is to flip that back on its head and let's really lead with the research and the practice and then let's have policies that support the direction and where we're going. And there's, you know, one of the countries I've been watching very closely is Canada. Canada has integrated social emotional learning into their academic, um, correct, their academic layout, their content and standards layout that it is truly mind blowing. So when you look at their math standards, you see how with each math standard, social emotional learning is integrated because really all learning, Jeff, is social and emotional. Look at us right now. How are, you know, you wanted to learn more about SEL. You wanted to share with your, the leaders that you work with and support. And how do we do that? 
and engaging in social conversations. How do people remember things the most? It's through the stories, it's the personal connections. And so as long as we continue to be a human society, all learning will be social and emotional. And and I, I, I agree, and I think we need to continue to push on that. I, I think it's important that leaders uh, such as yourself push other leaders, educators, et cetera, to ensure they are engaging in discourse with each other, with other people in a healthy way. I, it's so easy for people to get isolated right now. It's so easy for leaders to get isolated. We, we have these systems, Aaliyah, where if, if someone's in the leadership circle, if they have a problem, they can submit it. And then what we do is we gather other colleagues from around the country put them around a table and we facilitate a protocol called the solution circle where leaders are helping other leaders. Here's what's fascinating. It's really hard for even our members that signed up because they want this kind of environment to request a, request a solution circle. As soon as one person does, when I put it out there for people to sign up to help, within an hour it fills up. Yeah. It's easy to get people to help each other. It's hard for us to get leaders to ask for help. So mm -hmm. I think our constant push is to remind people that leading, excuse me, learning is social. It does require discourse. It does require people to lean in together and to create this mutual support as opposed to just kind of pull away with based upon innovation. So I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. I just, I throw that it's out of something we experience. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff, I wanted to just pile on to that point um, around uh, leaders being able to ask for help or just being in that space with other colleagues and peers. And it just underscores that at every level, the importance of those interactions it, at every level, it, it, it just underscores the power of relationships and that, you know, of all that you do for your leader circle, I can guarantee you the network and the relationships developed in that network are probably the most beneficial and what people leave with knowing, okay, I have something here. And, and so we just have to continue to focus on those relationships and ensuring that the support system is there. So um, uh, before I get to our kind of famous last last question, we ask all of our all of our guests, let's talk about Atlanta. So you're coming to, I, we did not know this when we reached out to Castle <laughs> that you're having this event, but not just because it's in our backyard, but mostly because of the topic, right? That you're focusing on this. Is this adult theme um, related to educators that um, when I heard about it, it made me smile and, I, and we're gonna figure out you know, how, how, how we support that in any way we can. Tell us more about, about what's coming to Atlanta and um, we'll go from there. So we uh, are anticipating anywhere from 2,000 to 2,200 attendees from across the world to join us for our social emotional learning exchange. And we call it the exchange because as a collaborative, it is not about Castle. It is not about Aaliyah. It is not about any single person. It is holistically about the collaborative that supports well-being for children and educators and, and adults. And so this conference, our focus is adult and adult SEL, because honestly, the interest has been overwhelming in how do we support our educators right now at a time when we are really hemorrhaging educators in the field. And actually, I, I, I'll come back to that 
afterward. I'll stick with the conference. And so we're going to have a two-day conference and we'll have one additional day for pre-conference for people who want to dig deeper into particular areas of social emotional learning. It will be in Atlanta at the Omni and well, the Omni is the host hotel. It'll be at the Georgia Convention Center. And we really are looking forward to it. Uh, in about two weeks, we will be releasing the link with registration. I can't give out the information yet, but we have some major headliners um, that will really be amplifying um, the importance of social emotional learning for adults and why we should lean in. Okay, so then, uh, by the way, I want to talk more about that because I want to learn, um, I mean, even after this conversation, more about the details. But, but you said uh, hemorrhaging educators, and I only, um, I'm not smiling because it's happening. I, I, I use this term all the time. And uh, yeah. we've actually had guests bring talking about the research about what's happening with educators and them leaving. So we have a lot of really interesting data points um, that are very, that should make us all very nervous. And yeah. so okay. can, can you just comment on, you know, some of maybe some of your fears and some of what you think are potential tactics on how we slow that process of great people leaving an incredible noble, noble field? Yeah. Well, number one, We've got to take politics out of education. Our educators are tired of getting caught in the crosshairs of politics. And so one, stripping away the politics that often divide us and really coming from a sense of unity in that as a nation, we need to be strong. We need strong educators, administrators, parents, communities, families, our, our survival depends on it. And so um, it is really important to really put the politics aside and come together in the best interest for everyone. The second thing is, as you, we were talking earlier about the well-being, uh, one of the things that we're seeing is that the districts that had prioritized social emotional learning before the pandemic actually has had less teacher turnover higher attendance rates, and the kids have performed better academically faster by having the supports in place. So the research is there, the evidence is there, the outcomes are there. Now we just really need to think about how do we sustain and continue to create a space for social emotional learning. Um, and, and I also think it's important, I know what started this part of the conversation was my comment about hemorrhaging teachers, but when we talk about social emotional learning, it's not just an education issue. I cannot tell you how much interest there is in the workforce community because many of the skills that we're talking about, the current workforce is in need of. We have employers saying, you know, the top skills that we need for future success is how to work coll collaboratively, how to persist through really complex problems. Because as you mentioned, and we talked about AI and technology, the world is changing faster than we can keep up with in some sense. And how do we make sure we have people who can think critically and so holistically, the need is greater now. And in order to stop not just the hemorrhaging of our educators, but ensuring a, a prepared workforce, we really should be focused on, on those skills and competencies. And, you know, I, I, I do think I'll date myself here. The, the thing for my generation, we remember the physical fit 
time period when we had Jane Fonda, we had Richard <laughs> Simmons. It was all about let's get physical because we were trying to, as a nation, start to get healthy, get out, exercise, eat well. That was the thing for our generation, my generation coming up. And as we think about this current generation, wellness, wholeness, it's the thing for this generation. And it is a very real thing because when you look at what is happening in our society, again, all the things I mentioned earlier, it is more critical than ever to take a step, not even a step back, but to hold the line and ensuring that we are not only thinking about the academic needs of our kids, but their social emotional learning needs. And for our educators, the support needs to be there across the board. If if you and I were sitting around a table, this is this is the this is the question that we ask people. This is the one piece that we have to support leaders that really is content based. The majority of what we do is round table. We say circles are better than rows, right? That's our that's our theme. Yeah. So yeah. if you and I were sitting around a table, and we're coming to the very end of our conversation, and you wanted to leave those leaders, principals central office, it doesn't matter, with kind of some last words of wisdom, what would they be? What would your final piece of advice be? So I travel a lot right now because of this role. There's a certainly an increased interest. So I'm on the plane a lot. And on every flight, doesn't matter if it's a, you know, two hour, 20 minute or 20 hour flight, they always do the safety preparations. And they always say, put your mask on first and then help those next to you. And so my advice to leaders, and it's one that I am working on myself because as a mom, as a wife, as a leader, the demands to be pulled, I almost feel like Elastigirl sometimes from the Incredibles, just trying so hard to pull everything in and hold it together, that unless we put our mask on first, we cannot help anybody else. So to take the time, prioritize yourself, and it is not selfish, you'll be a better leader, a better partner, a better parent, whatever it is, because you take the time to take care of yourself. Thank you. Well said. I appreciate your words. I appreciate your time. And this, is, this has been fun, but maybe more importantly than that, it's, it's, it's been a meaningful conversation really is you as the head of an organization that really is such a leader in something as so important as it is now. We wouldn't have known this 10 or 15 years. Yeah. We wouldn't have known it. Um, but it is only increasing. So the value of Castle and what that is bringing to not just the country, but as you said, beyond now internationally um, is just really appreciated and valued. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to come and just share. Uh, and most importantly, our educators do need us. And I would love your community to know that you have a fellow educator whose boots on the ground um, to support them and also the students that we are here ultimately to serve. Well, I will soon see you in ATL. All yes. right. Okay. I look forward to it. Thank you, Jack. All right. And Leah, you take care. Ladies and gentlemen, um this is not this is not political. So um you 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 heard Aaliyah say it that doesn't mean that you believe it. I just want to hammer home that this is about the the needs of us, the needs of our people and 
anything that we can do to really focus, not just on ourselves, but those that we serve and their emotional needs so they can truly meet, you know, reach their capacity is what we all yearn to do as parents and as educators. And so the concept of social-emotional learning is an important one. I hope that you've learned as much as I have. Ladies, gentlemen, leaders, educators, be well.